And now it's time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We're so glad you tuned into the show today. Really appreciate it and hope you can make it a habit to tune in each week at nine o'clock Eastern time for We Are Just Christians. My name is Mike Schmidt, and I'm the preacher and one of the elders of the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. With me is my partner, Gary Jones. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. We're glad we can be with you today. And this is a live call-in show. And in a few moments, I'm going to give you the number so you can reach us. We like to have your calls and comments, questions, criticisms, whatever is on your mind. And we promise to give you the last word and treat you with respect. And we'll try to have a discussion. If you can stay on the line for a moment, make sure we got the comment or question clear, and then we'll discuss those things. But that's the nature of the show. We don't mind you disagreeing. In fact, we, you know, that would be interesting. And in fact, we'd encourage you to call if you're not a Christian or a believer and you want to challenge the things that we're saying. That would be fine. We don't mind that. And we're we're not going to take advantage of you or try to make you look bad. That isn't the purpose of the show. It's to learn and to grow. And so we'll be glad to hear your point of view. Let me give you the numbers. You can reach reach us here at the usual call-in number of WPSL, 772-260-6120. Excuse me, that's wrong. That's, we're going to give you that number later. If you realize how many times a week I give my cell phone number out. But anyway, 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590-1590. That's the number here in uh, – to reach the show, we are just Christians. And if you want to call, text us, some people can't call. They text, and if you can't, if you want to, that's fine. I take the number I just gave you earlier, 772-260-6120. That's my text number. That's Mike's text number, 771-260-6120. People will use that number. And then Gary's number is 772-260-6220. Very similar. So you can text us either one of those two numbers. You can also email us justchristians at att.net. And we communicate with listeners by all three of those ways, live here on the air and then the two text numbers and then email. We're all happy to do that with you. And we have we had a listener from uh, Georgia call uh, text me and request the information that we offered through a listener in Hayden here a couple of weeks ago, she requested that. And so what made me think of that is because uh, we do have people that listen to the show recorded, but you can listen to this show live on Sunday morning if you're in your car uh, or somewhere else, you know, don't have an AM radio, just go to WPSL.com, WPSL.com, click on the listen live button, it'll take you there to the show live. You can look Ask for WPSL 1590 on your Alexa device, your Chrome device, whatever you may have. It'll take you to the show live. If you want to listen on Sunday mornings, maybe you're going somewhere, you're getting ready or whatever, you don't have an AM radio handy, you can listen to the show. Tell your friends and neighbors about that. You can do that anywhere in the world. You don't have to be right here in, in Port St. Lucie or in Martin County to be able to do that. So anyway, those are a few ways you get in touch with us. And uh, as I mentioned, this is about being just a New Testament Christian, not something else, something different, something more than that. And um, without realizing, I think a lot of people want to be just Christians, but they're involved. They just go to the church down the street. They get involved in different denominations, and they're not being just a Christian because they're following whether they realize it or not. And most of the time they don't. They're just following human traditions. They haven't studied the Bible for themselves or read it. They they just buy into it. And so they're being taught catechisms and manuals and all kind of other things. And um, it's not like, Gary, it's not like that the preacher gets up in these churches and tells you, now today we're going to take this lesson from uh, the Lutheran you know, you know, catechism or from the Catholic catechism. They don't say that. The Methodist manual, they don't say that. They they just tell them this is what the Bible says. They don't do an exegete. And, you know, they're not getting the text. So that's why we're doing, for example, we do this every once in a while, a class on Sunday mornings in our 10 o'clock service. 
coming up here in the next hour, a class on how to study the Bible. And it's geared for how that you can read, learn to read the text of the Bible yourself piece by piece, chunk by chunk, and gain a knowledge, a firsthand knowledge of what's there. And I can tell you the effect of that on a lot of people that when they do this for the first time. When they do this for the first time, they, um, they're, they're amazed at what they read, Gary. It's, it's shocking to them to be able to, to read for themselves and see the richness of what's there. It's shocking sometimes not just what's there, but it shocks their conscience. It, it, it's, it's the word of God, and the Holy Spirit put power in the word of God, right? Right. That's what they're feeling. And I tell, I tell just keep reading. Don't, don't get discouraged. Don't just keep reading it. Make yourself some notes about what you're reading. Keep biting off little chunks and, and so forth. But it's amazing. And that's what we encourage on this show. That's why like, it'll take us about a few minutes when we get done with the show to go out there and set the class up. But about 10 after 10 this morning for 45 minutes or so, we'll have a Bible class on how to study the Bible. We'd invite you to come. 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. I've been trying to record some of these classes. And that, I don't have them up on the Internet yet, but they will be soon. And that reading and understanding is important, Jesus. And I'm going to quote a passage that I've done before on the show, and I think it's very important. John 12 and verse 48, Jesus says, and he, this is it, according, this is his words, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. He also says in another place, we will be judged by our words. So what we speak and what he speaks are the things that are going to make the difference in the end. And particularly what is written is what he spoke. And that's what we should be paying our attention to. Correct. That's exactly right. Thanks for reminding us about that. Yeah, you see, this whole um, process is one that requires attention to the words of Jesus Christ, not the words that you want to hear. Let me give the numbers one more time, then I got it. We're going to go to something maybe directly related to this. You can reach us here live with your calls, comments, questions at 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590. We'd be glad to hear from you. Give us a call and you won't be mistreated and we'll give you the last word. So feel free to do that. Something popped up here. I guess I've had this article for a while, but kind of popped up to me. And I think I put it in our bulletin a while back. It's about texting with Jesus. Texting Jesus. That goes along with what we're saying. People say they want the word of God. And they're so excited about the word of God. Uh, but in the end, a lot of people, maybe I'm one, maybe you're one, really want to really just want to confirm what they already believe. They want, and so the text is called uh, a divine connection in your pocket. Claims you can discover a new interactive way to engage with your faith, engage with your faith through text with Jesus, a revolutionary AI powered chatbot for iPhone and, and uh, other programs. So you can ask Jesus questions, as well as other major Bible characters, including apostles, prophets, patriarchs. Want to know how Jonah felt in the belly of the whale or lost feelings while in Sodom? Or Moses' experience in the wilderness, just send a text. You'll get an answer. So this is how it is. Now, <laughs> here is how this, you know how this is going to go, right, Gary? Yeah, I'm, 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 you know how this is going to go. But but people, oh, that's a great idea. I can text with Jesus. So it's like a little kid. I compare it to a little kid that you can have an app that he can text with Santa Claus, you know where somebody pretending to be Santa Claus on the other end or a chat bot, an AI chat bot just texts back and reflects your feelings. So according to the Washington Post article by Fiona Andre, in an interview with the app developer and company CEO, Stefan Peter, the app tends to avoid taking offensive stances and instead takes an inclusive and tolerant line. <laughs> so apparently the, the chatbot didn't get the verse that said that Jesus spoke hard sayings and some of Jesus' disciples 
this is me adding this in. Some of Jesus' disciples, like in John 6, turned away and wouldn't go with him anymore because they didn't like what he was saying. It was hard saying. In fact, so much so that they all left. He turned to his disciples in John 6 and said, are you going to go away? You're going to leave too? And Peter says, well, where shall we go? You have the words of life. There you go. Peter's answer was correct. But but most of us, uh, for example, well, they, that, they, they ask it about same-sex marriage, Gary. Oh, oh, oh that, that just goes back to the idea. It, it really all depends on who programs that. AI. Of course it is. And people are so – I don't know. I don't know what the correct word is. I started to say stupid. That isn't the correct word. That's not what I mean. Popped in my head. They're so naive that they think that they can text something like this and they'll get an accurate answer. You can, They think you can go to Wikipedia and always get the perfect answer. Someone brought this up. I think there's Laura on the call a couple weeks ago. That Wikipedia is not an accurate source. Well, it is an accurate source for a lot of general information, and it gives you places where you can go verify it. But it doesn't mean that whatever you read in, in Wikipedia is, you know, been certified to be true by God. I certainly agree with that. But you, but when they quote the different sources, you know, you have something to go on. It gives you a place to start. But the but the it's all who programs these things. So here's what he says. When asked about same sex marriage, the AI AI Jesus said that quote it was up to each individual to seek guidance from their own faith tradition and personal convictions. Furthermore, it encourages users to, quote, prioritize love and respect for all people, regardless of their sexual orientation um, and so forth, and gender identity. So, and sign the text with a rainbow and a red heart emoji. So there you go. You can feel good about it because they, Jesus said with a, with a heart and a rainbow that you need to just seek guidance from your own conscience and your own faith tradition about um, your gender identity and so forth. So apparently the AI Jesus wasn't familiar with what his apostle said about homosexuality in Romans chapter one. He he forgot that he told Paul something different than what he just told you and so forth. So <laughs> here you go. Now, he he admitted the guy that wrote it admitted he didn't work with or consult with any theological advisors on this project, but he trained. He explained that he trained the AI to, quote, try to stick with the biblical tradition as hard as possible. I'm not sure that's what he did. But anyway, there you go. There's the uh, texting Jesus, the AI chat, chat bot. And so it goes along with this idea that people go to a church. They hear what's there. They're only getting part of the story. And they they think that somehow this is a. Uh, Oh, what the Bible says about that subject, and boy, that's really prominent this time of year with all this stuff about Christmas and the birth of Jesus. Well, why do you think all those stories are in the Bible? Well, when somebody not. says basically follow your heart and and you'll come out where God does, I keep coming back to something like Isaiah verse eight. God says through the prophet Isaiah, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways," says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't think like God. We need to look to his scripture for how God thinks and what he does. And it just, I just keep thinking about that. Every time somebody says, well, follow your heart or follow your conscience, all depends on what you've used to train your conscience. And if you've used the word of God to train your conscience, then maybe that's a good thing to do. But if you haven't, then... Well, here's where, here's another article I got in front of me that shows you where some of this goes. There's probably 10 different directions we could go. Let me give you the numbers again, by the way. 772-340-1590. That's how you reach us by phone to a live call in. Call that number right there at the station. It'll put you right through to us. We can have a conversation. 772-340-1590. Especially if you disagree or you think, you know, those guys have a bad attitude. Well, get on in here on the air and tell us that maybe we can do something about that. Uh, but you can also text us anytime during the week set and during the show, 772-260-6120 or 6220. Those are the numbers where you can text us. Anyway, this article relates to this, Gary, in a different way. 
uh, it's from churchleaders.com. Young adults in Great Britain, quote, would support a Bible ban due to its hate speech, the poll reveals. So nearly 25%, and this is just one study, of young Britons would support banning the Bible if they believed it contained hate speech, reveals a certain a new poll. Um, the survey asked 2,088 UK adults about the stance on banning books as perceived as having hate speech. Individuals 18 to 34 were most likely to agree that such measures followed by those age 30. And, and then so you have about 20 percent of ages 35 to 54 said they would and 25 percent of people 18 to 34. Um, people over 55 were less likely. So. Anyway, he goes on to talk about some of this stuff in Great Britain. And of course, those kind of trends are not isolated to Britain. They're certainly here. And we've talked several times on this show and we'll continue to do so about this business of hate speech and how I think New Testament Christians or people that want to be New Testament Christians really need to be alarmed at the move about hate speech in the United States because this is where it's going. It's going to be banned. These these books are going to be banned. The Bible is going to be banned in the United States if, if this political correctness trend and woke trend, as they call it, continues and so, from so many progressive sources. We have a caller on the line. Are you there, Laura? Good morning. Yes, How are you? Gary and Mike, I'm here. Oh, blessed and highly favored is to be the daughter of a king. What's on your mind? Well, you, you guys have said several times, well, first of all, to everybody listening out there, any time you go to study the Word of God, you should always pray for the Holy Spirit to come and open up your eyes and your heart and your ears to what the Scriptures are saying, because without Him, we will never understand that book. He is the one who interprets it to us to give us 100% pure understanding over time we weren't meant to understand that whole book in one sitting well i think i think that's correct on the other hand i don't think that just because you pray that you can be assured that whatever conclusion you come to is the correct conclusion because a lot of people pray every time they read the bible and they all teach different things and i know the holy spirit's not teaching different things to different people when they pray so, yes, pray for understanding, pray for wisdom, and you can seek it, but don't think that just because you pray and then you read a passage and come to some conclusion that that's, that that's the Holy Spirit-derived conclusion from that. And those are two different things. What do you think about that? Is that right or not? Lots of people pray. They come to different conclusions. The Holy never lied to me in all my years. You know. I'm sorry, Laura. There's never been, what? He's always been honest and he's always interpreted the scriptures straight up as they are. Who, who is this he's that's done so, this? The human assumption you take yourself out of the equation, which is the meaning of surrender. Then you don't get a human understanding, you get wisdom and you get understanding. That, well, I think generally true. Generally, that's correct. But I think it's also problematic to say I'm going to take myself completely out of the equation. We can never do that. Everybody has presuppositions. Everybody has background information that they put into it. They need to be aware of that and see how that influences how they might be thinking and willing over time to learn about what those presuppositions might mean to how they interpret it or understand it. And I think the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. Wisdom comes through both experience combined with the word of God. Then we can get wisdom. But I just don't want people to think that as long as they sit down and pray before they read the Bible, that the Holy Spirit's going to come in there and make sure that they've got the correct interpretation. Because there's just too many people sitting at too many coffee table, too many dining room tables in the morning praying and coming to completely opposite conclusions about the scriptures. For, for me to think that the Holy Spirit is the one who is directing all of that, uh, not that's not what the Bible teaches. 
you can get illumination when you when you allow the Holy Spirit into your heart, but you have to let the word speak to you and not just this idea of what you want. Too many people are placing what they want onto the scriptures, like this AI Jesus. You're supposed to call it in and what what you want, it'll reflect what you want. That's not the way you find out what's in the Bible. So, but but you you should pray before you read. You should pray after you read and, Mm -hmm. and pray for pray for wisdom and understanding it. Look around you. Keep looking. Seek and you shall find. I don't think that. A couple of weeks ago. or, or, Or several times throughout our conversations, you have made references to the fact that you have no authority. But in two sets of scriptures, Matthew 28, 18 and Luke 10, 19. Now. Matthew 28:18 is after Jesus' resurrection and with the Great Commission. Okay, and he said in, in Matthew 28:18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then in Luke 10, 19, he tells us disciples. Enough people because he is talking to us. Behold, I want to make sure I get it right. I'm opening up my Bible. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, which are demons and devils, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing in by and nothing in by no means shall hurt you. Which all goes to the do not fear 365 times in that word. We're supposed to build confidence in him and to trust him and to know we do have authority and we do have power to do what is right in our lives through his word. To not be told by other men what to do and to know we are all works in progress, all, every single person on this earth. That we are all, that we are all what? Every single per- on the person on this earth is what? I'm sorry, I missed that word. A work in progress. A work in progress. Okay. Well, here's here's the uh, in that passage in Luke 10 in particular. Going back there, there's two different two different situations that arise when he first sends these disciples out, or these are apostles. These are the apostles later, and then later when he tells them that um, the 70 came back with joy and all that, and then later he sends out the He's sending out the 12. These are these are the disciples. And he reduces the number of these apostles or disciples from 70 to 12. And he doesn't tell them. He doesn't make that promise to you and me that we're going to be able to during at this this time in history to drink poison and and handle poisonous serpents and do all the raise the dead and heal the sick. You're applying a passage that applied to the apostles and those who were who who's the apostles laid hands on to everybody today. Now, as far as authority is concerned, I have authority as a Christian and as a gospel preacher to tell you what Jesus Christ said and what the apostles said. I have authority to speak in his name in that way. I'm a messenger. That's what I I can tell you what the message is. As far as enforcing that, I don't have much authority to tell you, you've got to do what I say. I mean, there are religions out there, Laura, that will regulate who Christian young people date. You can date this person and not that person. You can work at this job and not that job. And the elders of that church or the so-called pastor regulates with authority what those people in that church do. I don't believe there's any scriptural authority for that kind of action on my part or Gary and I are elders in this church. We can tell the people here as shepherds what the word says. We can explain it to them. We can encourage them. We can even rebuke them when they don't do it. But I don't have authority to tell somebody where to work or who to date or anything like that. Hang on, Gary wants to say something, and we'll let you respond. Well, I want to say something here, that, that Mike Mike and I have the authority to tell you what what is 
written that Jesus says. We don't get revelation directly from God or through prayer or directly, um, I would call it miraculously, from the Holy Spirit. We get it from reading the Word. We don't, don't get, get it minute by minute direction directly from God. We're going to get it from the Word if we right. get it from somebody. That that's what I want to make clear that we have to study and understand what is written, and we can help you with that, and we can quote what's written, but we don't have direct revelation from God like Paul and the twelve apostles did when they wrote these things. I was speaking I, to two I, young ladies. Sorry. What's that, Laura? I get revelation from God all the time on the understanding of his word because it comes from Jeremiah. Call to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. The Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you and enlighten all of the wonderful scriptures to you to take them into heart and to apply them because, yes, we can. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He is talking to us. It's the reason. I know. I understand that, but not every not everybody not everybody was given that gift of laying hands on the sick and recovering them. Okay, the only the apostles were given that gift, and then the apostles laid their hands on other men who were given that gift. But once the apostles died, all that power to transmit that particular gift was taken away. And there aren't people today that have this power to walk around and heal people by laying hands on them. And I don't think that everybody who gets some idea is getting it from the Holy Spirit because, Laura, we have all these – just turn on the television or the radio and you will see all these people supposedly speaking in the name of Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're all contradicting one another. I mean you defend the pope. Uh, somebody else defends the, the Luther. Somebody else defends the Pentecostalism, and they all contradict one another. They all claim to come from the Holy Spirit. Christ, my Lord, and the Holy Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit that reigns in me. Never once did I open my mouth about any pope that has ever been. And that was because you seem to be under the deranged assumption that all Catholics worship the pope, and that is just so untrue. I never, I never said Catholics, Catholics worship the pope. I had which comes out of sheer ignorance to the truth of the God-fearing people that worship in any congregation. Where you worship doesn't make that much difference to God. It's what your heart believes and how you treat other people in humanity, because in the prayer to the disciples, he told us greater works than he will we do. So we can lay hands on the sick and we recover. We can cast out demons. We can preach the word of God, and we can love each other just as He loves us. I agree, but if, if you want to, if you want to maintain, if you want to maintain that as a Catholic, it's okay for you not to obey the Pope. You need to take it up with the Pope. You need to take that up with the Pope. Take anything up with him. Well, you should because the Pope demands your allegiance. He doesn't demand your worship, or he demands your veneration. And he demands that you venerate all of the saints and so forth. Now, that's a Catholic position historically. I've never seen that or been commanded in all my You've never heard of the veneration of the saints? That's the number two commandment of the Ten Commandments in the Catholic Catechism, how to venerate saints, images, and relics. That's the number two commandment in the Catholic Catechism that Catholics are taught from the time their children going to catechism school. And so, you know, you, you, you don't, I'm not saying you believe that, but don't say the Catholic Church doesn't teach that. Because that's, that's simply what they, now my point is, how, how is it that the Holy Spirit revealed to the great Catholic Church fathers that they should, they should venerate images and venerate saints? And then come along comes Martin Luther and the Holy Spirit supposedly revealed to him that you shouldn't venerate images and saints. And all the others. I mean, the Holy Spirit, supposedly, if you just read the Bible, he's going to the Holy Spirit's going to come and give you a magic revelation as to what it means each time. And all these people contradict one another. So I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is in the word, but he's only and I think you're right. I think you're correct, Laura, in that he does reveal it to you in the sense over time and you keep humbly reading it. 
It will change your heart and change your understanding. But he isn't going to give you some miraculous interpretation uh, just because you uh, read the Bible constantly or pray. Otherwise, they, we would all be teaching the same thing. And and that's just simply not the case. So We do uh, basically I, teach the same thing. As I've been in almost every so-called denomination, but the one thing that's happened since the beginning of time is as soon as somebody in any religion, faith, or whatever is not happy with the way it runs, they go and create another one. That's how we got the Mennonites. Yeah, that's, that's, how that's we got a shame the because I don't think people should do that. Buddhism, Hinduism, they're all breaking down into this, that, and the other thing because some human beings not happy and they got to have it their way. Right. There's only one church that Jesus Christ established it. He has authority over it, not men. But yeah. I, I don't understand why you can say that the, all these churches is somehow they all agree, because even within the Catholic Church, as an example, it's in the news now. So many of these cardinals are now opposing what Francis is doing. Francis says he's getting his power from the Holy Spirit. They're saying he's not. And it's within the Catholic Church. It isn't people just attacking the Catholic Church. It isn't even me. I, I'm just reporting the news on this. So, so you can't rely on feelings that you get from the Holy Spirit at the breakfast table. Okay, first of all, who's the one who meddles and causes division to start off with? If we know well, where so power comes from, we know what to believe and what not to believe. I okay. understand so that, but the one causing division is the one teaching something. And so-called crazy news. What do you mean crazy? I don't know what you mean by that. The the news is not crazy. It's coming out of the Catholic news service that I read. And it, it's full of speculation. They don't speak the truth. The news. Is the Catholic news service doesn't teach the truth? It is crazy. All they're reporting on is the, is what the bishops who are and cardinals who are opposing what Francis is doing, what they say. They're reporting what the Vatican says in response to that. Back and forth, I get I get a news report on this and other other different denominations. That's what they're doing. It isn't something that's hidden. It's it's just what they're what's happening. And all these people claim to have the Holy Spirit. That's my point. To say, well, the Holy Spirit will just reveal things to you is not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit has revealed his word, his will. It's in the Bible. We can read it. That's how the Holy Spirit revealed it. I have to go and take my understanding of that according to Ephesians. And when I read it, if I read it, read it I can gain understanding as to what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is what this is the proper understanding of the Holy Spirit as far as the word and as far as my understanding, not the idea that each Christian sits down and and prays and and, crawl, and folds their hands and they all eventually come to a, a conclusion. Paul said as the apostle in Ephesians three. He says how that by revelation he made known to me, that means the apostle. Because he's going he's gonna to contrast the me with the them. That's the Ephesians, the people he's writing to, the ordinary Christians. He made known to me by revelation. God directly spoke to the mind of Paul through the Holy Spirit, which, he, which I have briefly written already. Paul wrote it down. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which was other ages were not, not made known, but now it's been revealed. In the by the Holy Spirit. So Paul says we come to an understanding of what the Holy Spirit says by reading what the apostles wrote and clearly understanding that. It doesn't say that you get the Holy Spirit as a gift and then the Holy Spirit will, will reveal all these things that he's already written down for you. It's our job to read, to try to understand, keep growing, keep trying to understand. And we can eventually understand what the apostle wrote, what God, which is what God said. So I needn't expect some miraculous revelation when I sit down with my Bible every time in the sense that God is going to give me some knowledge that's not in the text. What I can expect if I read sincerely over time is to gain a true understanding of what the text says. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. 
when I gain understanding of what the text says. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. That, anyway, so the problem is, and I think you kind of agree with this, is that the whole, is that so many of these people, they're fighting with each other over positions, over power, over denominations, over structure, over authority. They fight with each other about all that stuff. And instead of trying to figure out what the Bible does say, that's the problem. That's the problem I have with denominationalism. Each one picks out their special doctrines that they hold on to, make a church over it, instead of trying to go back and find the one church that Jesus said he was going to build. All right. Well, listen, Laura, I'll give you the last word. We're going to have to move on because we have another call. Uh, what? Finish oh, up here. And, no, that's fine. I'm going to trust in our Father to do what he's got to do in humanity. And you guys have a great day. He will. Thank you. And I, try, I hope that God will do what he says he do. I know he will do what he says he's going to do. Thank you so much for calling, Laura, and call back anytime you want to. Uh, Jerry, are you there? Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jerry. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I was wondering about, wondering about Thomas of Aquinas, or uh, is it Thomas Aquinas, uh, Doubting Thomas? And I just wonder about that second part of his name, Aquinas. Is that the uh, village he was from, or uh, I wonder if you could clarify that. I'd like to listen to our film, Mike, if that's okay. Okay, that sounds fine, Jerry. I uh, I appreciate you calling. Now, before you uh, before I answer your question, or before Gary and I answer your question, I just want to give the numbers again for the show. Uh, you can reach We Are Just Christians here, like Jerry just did, like Laura did, at 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the number. Now, there, the, I think there is some confusion about the Thomas in the Bible and Thomas Aquinas, as it were. And um, I th it's probably probably Thomas Aquinas was named after Thomas in the Bible, but they're not the same person. And Aquinas, let me let me look this up here because Aquinas he was uh, Thomas Aquinas according to uh, just a general source on the internet because I just want to make sure my facts are sort of correct. The dates he lived in the 1200s A.D. From 1225 to 1274, he was an Italian Dominican friar and a priest, very influential philosopher and theologian. And so we have a lot of Thomists and so forth. And he was from the county of Aquino or Aquino in the kingdom of Sicily. So, yes, Thomas Aquinas does indicate where he was from. It wasn't like a last name, it's where he was from. But he was not. He, he's. Look, Thomas Aquinas is considered one of the greatest philosophers in, in the English in, in in Western history. He's one of the greatest philosophers. He is very deep. You can we can debate some of his uh, teaching, but he's been extremely influential in Christian thinking. I use the word Christian in quotes, general Christian thinking in Western thinking uh, down through time. But that's a different person than the Thomas in the Bible. Uh, that, that Thomas is in John 20, beginning about verse 23. He's one of the 12, one of the 12. His name was also Didymus because he was a, has a twin. You got that verse? Yes, and now Thomas called the twin. Yeah, all right. Uh, one of the 12 was not with him when Jesus came. They're talking about Jesus. He, he, he was having trouble believing that Jesus was resurrected. This is after this verse Jerry's reading occurred after Jesus resurrection was raised from the dead. The other disciples had seen Jesus on a couple of occasions. He had appeared to them, but go, go ahead. It says Thomas wasn't there. Uh, basically wasn't there, but now the, they're coming together again. And it says in verse 26, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. 
And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Yes. Now, uh, he's often called then, although the scriptures don't use this word doubting Thomas, and some people have given him a, a bad name, as it were, or reputation because of this. I don't think Jesus felt that way at all about Thomas. I think if he had felt that way, you know, Gary, there's he. Anyway, by the way, this is again in John 20. And remind me, I need to give the numbers again. But when you talk to people religiously, and this is a big debate in apologetics or the or belief in the science of belief or understanding. And a couple of centuries ago, there came this idea that faith had to be blind faith that faith was believing something without evidence. That's the definition of faith, believing something without evidence. But if you want to be scientific, you believe stuff only when you have evidence. So that distinction between faith and science was made, it's a false distinction. The Bible doesn't ever tell us to believe something without evidence. The nature of the evidence may be different than we would expect. You can't prove some things by scientific experiment. As a matter of fact, but all of it is based on evidence. As a matter of fact, in John 20, that verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and you have yet believed. The very next verse tells you what John's all about. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his name. Everything that's written here, all of these evidence. things, is, is evidence. Right. So we're not asked to believe in Christ or the resurrection of the dead without evidence. It isn't a matter of having faith without seeing. Now, the difference, I don't, so I don't think Jesus, if, if the definition, let me start over again. If the definition of faith is believing something without evidence, then when Jesus came into the room and Thomas said, he'd already heard Thomas say, or they'd repeated, Thomas says he won't believe unless he seals the print, sees the print of the nails in your hands or your side. Jesus would have folded his arms and hands up, closed them up against his chest at Thomas. You know, you're just going to have to believe. There's no evidence I'm going to give you. You just have to believe. Just have faith. Just believe. You don't need science or evidence. No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus willingly opens up his hands, shows him the proof, lets him feel. Now, he op- he puts them out there. Does it? Does the text ever say that Thomas reached out and felt those nails, no. those nail prints, or touched his? He didn't even need to go that far. Once he saw them, he knew what they meant. He knew what those wounds meant. And he says, my Lord and my God. He believed, but he believed because he had evidence. Jesus said, blessed are you. We have evidence, too. It's the evidence of these eyewitnesses and other evidences from the Bible. So, yes, this Thomas is not Thomas Aquinas, although Thomas of Aquino was probably named after this Thomas. Some 1,200 years later. 1,200 years later, a long time later, but he was. uh, This Thomas is one of the 12, the twin, and uh, we don't know anything about his twin, I suppose, but he... um, Something coming to my mind. Maybe I'm wrong for saying that, but I don't but recall anything about his twin unless there's something I don't recall. But anyway, you can look it up. But the point is, the point is, Mike, these things are all written down as evidence for us. They were given for that reason. All these things, all these people that Jesus healed, all the miracles that he did, the, the obvious things that were out of the ordinary realm of the way things operate. They were given to those people as evidence, and they became eyewitnesses, and they gave us testimony through their writings. Right. And and we don't know from the scriptures what Thomas did as an apostle, but I can certainly tell you this incident here of him saying, I won't believe until I see it. Jesus didn't condemn him for that, and he still he still was an apostle and was sent forth with the rest of the twelve. We have him mentioned again in Acts chapter one, and he was sent forth on the mission of teaching, taking the gospel to the whole creation. Even though we don't have specific accounting of exactly what he, tradition says, this and that and the other, which we won't go into. But um, this is the difference. Now Aquinas is known. Augustine and Aquinas, you know, those two fellows back there, two of the major, uh, this is commonly called church fathers, 
had different impacts on the church. They had different ways of thinking, but don't get them confused with this Thomas in the Bible. And this major incident here where he is confronted with the risen Christ. Some people make the point, Gary, you know, if he had been with the other 12 when Jesus appeared the other times, maybe he would have believed. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm I'm reluctant to condemn people that the Bible, especially these great people like apostles, that the Bible doesn't condemn. Okay. The Bible says this, we get a little bee in our bonnet about it, how this is bad or the, whatever, like Job, he's a, a Job or, or a, uh, he's called right a lot, how Lot went down to Sodom and he's a bad person because of that. You hear this, the Bible calls him righteous Lot, was vexed right. because of this. So I'm going to go with what the Bible says about Lot. God thought he was a righteous man. You can conclude that he wasn't for because he went up to Sodom, but that's another whole story. And the same thing here. You can conclude in your own mind that Thomas is a bad person because he didn't want to believe until he saw it. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, here, let me show you the evidence. Jesus said, let me show you the evidence. Jesus now says, you can take this evidence. He wrote it down. We can all have this evidence. That's why I believe in this. All right, let me give the numbers for you to call him. We've got plenty of time left to take your, your call and for you to, you know, Debate, say whatever you want to say, plus or minus on any of these topics or whatever else is on your mind. You can reach We Are Just Christians at 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the number. Feel free to call in. We'll connect up and we can have a conversation with you and we'll go back and we'll give you the last word. So you can say what's what's on your mind. 772-340-1590 is the way. You can also reach us by text at 772-260-6120, or 772-260-6220. I heard my text uh, go off a minute ago, Gary, and I thought it was something from the show. It turns out it was Men's Warehouse. Yes, I think <laughs> I'm uh, dressed well enough. All right, we have another call. Let's go to the phones. Are you there, Ken? Yeah, Mike, I'm here. How are you? Good. Good. What's on your mind today? Calling. Yeah, I'm calling. Uh, uh, you mentioned um, that we've been talking about when Jesus was born. And you mentioned that some people believe he was born uh, during Passover, I think. Well, I've heard all kinds of things about that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I said. <laughs> Say that. I may have said. Well, I all have right. said in the past that he's been his birth has been put in about every month of the year, one way or the other. But go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I'm calling to dispute that. Okay. Um, uh, I of course believe that he was born on the Feast of Tabernacles. And, you know, you, you have my notes on that. Right. And okay. I've given them to other people. Right. Um, right. So, By the way, if you want those notes on Ken's, uh, and, and I believe the same thing in, in, in the broad picture of things, that Jesus was probably conceived in December around the time of the dedication of the temple, but was born in September. And, uh, uh, in the yeah, feast of, the feast uh, what's that? Yeah, during the during, feast of tabernacles. During the feast of tab, I'm trying to get it out. I wouldn't get it out. During the feast of tabernacles in September, that's when he was born. I I'll send you Ken's notes. I'll give you two sources here. Ken's notes. If you will email me or text me, I'll send you his notes. Or you can go directly to Ken. It's Kenneth underscore Hayden, H-A-Y-D-E-N, at bellsouth.net. And I think it's interesting. It's an interesting study. I also found, Ken, in looking something else for somebody else, I did a lesson on this, on why December 25th for the birth of Christ, a question mark. I did a sermon on this a year or two ago. If you go to our website, wearejustchristians.com, Look up birth of birth or birth of Jesus. Um, 
you'll see these notes. Uh, I mean, you'll see a link to this lesson I did in about 25 minutes in. I discuss this very thing that you're talking about in a different way than you do, but it's another reference to it. Uh, so, no, I, I don't personally believe that Jesus was born during Passover. If I said that, um, I must be mistaken. I must have been mistaken. I believe he was put to I believe he was put to death during the Passover. What's that? Who was saying someone else would claim that? Someone oh, okay, someone else. Yeah, I, I think that's right. He was but he was put to death during the Passover time. And uh, and I've come yeah, to I was talking about with my wife. Problem. What's that? Can't have him dying on the on when he's supposed to be born. Right. And then also, I talked to my wife about this on the way over here this morning. She brought me this morning and about the fact that I, I have come to understand that these feasts of the Lord in Exodus 23, I believe it is. I mind saying 13, but I think it's 23. Could be wrong. Uh, these feasts of the Lord all are connected to the Messiah in their ultimate fulfillment. Now, Hanukkah or dedication, the dedication is not a feast of the Lord. It is a feast of the Jews. It came outside the law of Moses, outside the Torah, outside the Old Testament entirely, but was being kept in some way by the Jews at the time of Christ. And we have mention of this in John 10. It was winter and he was there during the feast of dedication. But that feast, Hanukkah, is not one of the feasts of the Lord of the Jews. But I think these other feasts all have fulfillment in the Messiah. So yes, the Passover has fulfillment in the death of the Messiah, but I personally don't think it has fulfillment in the birth of the Messiah. Is that what you think, Ken? Yeah. Um, in, in particular, it's very important the mention of the Feast of Dedication being in winter. Okay, why would that, that be? That, uh, that puts a, a distinction on when Zachariah was serving in the temple. He was serving in the temple in June and then again in December. Right. right? So uh, uh, Gary asked me, how did I pick June? Why did I pick June instead of December? And the reason for that is because December is uh, his dedication, and he can't be born. Uh, he was he was born six months from when Zechariah was serving in the temple. Because he, he was, because uh, he was born. of the dating in the he was, he was conceived six right. months from June which would make it December when he was conceived. Right, right. When you look at Second Chronicles uh, 29, I believe it is. Let me look at that. Um, do I have the wrong verse? Hmm. Well, I thought I knew the right verse. That, that the, the course of, a, of Abijah or Abijah, I may have written the name down wrong, but um, yeah. This course of Abijah that it says Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, was in, was like the eighth course. And he, he, you go to Second Chronicles 29, you see these um, different courses of the priests. You're, and we know this from outside sources like Josephus and others, Edersheim and others when these courses each served their turn. And so, like you say, one man, individual uh, Jew of a, of the certain tribe of Aaron and of the of Kohath and all that, he would serve at a certain, only one time in his life, two different weeks, if I understand correctly. So yeah. you're saying that when this eighth so course rolled around, one was in the spring, one was in the winter, right? Right. And we know that when that was, not from the Bible per se, but from Jewish records, we know when this was. 
And so it's clear that, that in this case, this happened when uh, Zechariah of the course of Abijah was serving in the wintertime because of when this would all, because of how these dates would all fall, you see. No, he and, was serving uh, in June. June, yes. And that wouldn't work out. That wouldn't work out for Christmas either. We're serving in June, which is when Gabriel came to him and told him he was going to have a son. But when you read further on, Gabriel, six months later, and it says six months later, goes to Mary and tells her that she's going to have a child. That's December. So he's conceived in December. And then is born nine months later in September. Now, here's what I would say about all of this. Um, here's what I would say about all of these things that you're talking about. A lot of what you have to put together to, to, to understand this it's not based on a series of direct scriptures that say Jesus was born at this time of the year or not. There is no direct scriptural evidence. And listen to the words I'm saying, direct scriptural evidence that Jesus was born, certainly as any when he was born in December. And even to say he was born the time of Feast or Tabernacles is based on deductions from the scripture and history, which seem to all point in that direction. They do not point to December 25th. Nothing in the scripture points to December 25th. I can find several scriptures and several other things like Ken is talking about that I believe point to Christ being born in September and so forth, being conceived in December, born in September. I can find several verses like that, but nothing to point to December. And so, but yet I have to eventually say the Bible just doesn't tell me when Jesus was born directly, it's all indirect. Well, even now that's what I would say. I don't know if Ken agrees with that or Gary, but that's what I would say. Well, I would say even even the idea that all of these feasts are fulfilled in Jesus has a body of evidence to it, but not a conclusive scripture that says that explicitly. Well, you don't. Yes, you see it. You can see the parallels, but you don't say it doesn't do like Peter in Acts 2 and say this is that. Right. But you see the fulfillment of the of the Passover lamb being crucified, being slain, and then the Passover lamb. And you have a pretty direct correlation there. And then the feast, all these other feasts uh, um, you have. Like I said, there, there's a body of evidence, in, but it's, it's indirect evidence. There's a body of evidence that points in that direction, but you do not have an explicit scripture that says this is that. Right. And that. so my point about that is this, not that you can't believe that or shouldn't believe that. But and I think I think Ken is correct about this, or I certainly wouldn't be asking you to ask for his document about this. But I would say be careful of the conclusions that the doctrines. See, people make these kind of indirect conclusions. Then they build a whole doctrinal statement on that, and then they demand that other people believe it or else. That's what I'm cautious of. Ken isn't trying to do that at all. Uh, but I'm just saying that that's the problem of not keeping it in its proper proper place, as it were, and putting it where it goes and saying, yes, this is evidence, but I'm not going to build a whole doctrine around that. Of course, that's what people have done about Christmas. Right. They've taken no Bible evidence because they want this holiday, and they built a whole tradition around it dated to December 25th and lost it. Well, our time is just about gone here, so can wrap up real quick, then we're going to have to go. Okay, so I really didn't really get to what I was going to talk about. So uh, I'll say this one other time. Oh, okay, involves, sorry about that. It, it, it involves Daniel when it says, till Messiah comes. That's not referencing his birth. Okay, in Daniel. All yeah. right, well, we're going to have to pick that up another time. Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Okay, in Matthew 20, 21. Well, thanks for listening today. We really appreciate you being with us. Thanks, everyone, for calling in, and we hope that you'll come in, tune in again next week 
look at our website, wearejustchristians.com, and we will talk to you then. God bless you all for listening. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie on WPSL Port St. Lucie.